This is Kelly with Grid HQ and the Nonprofit Leadership Tribe. And this is Abby with Nonprofit 101. Welcome to the Nonprofit Girl Bosses. Think of us as your nonprofit BFF. Join us for no filter, no judgment, no fluff, just raw conversations to help you dominate your nonprofit leadership and life. Welcome to Nonprofit Girl Bosses. We are your nonprofit BFFs, no filters, no judgment, no fluff, just raw conversations to help you dominate your nonprofit leadership and life. Today, we're going to talk about how you as a nonprofit boss can handle those big egos that come from board members, you know, the kind that seem to want to run the show without actually running the show. And if you're listening as a board member, make sure to have your listening ears on and actually check yourself and your fellow board members to see if these egos are impacting your nonprofit success. All right, Kelly, you want to start us off with a crazy big ego story with your board members? Absolutely. And honestly, I can tell you it's a small nuanced story, but it creates the biggest headaches and havocs for um, executive directors, especially. A few years ago, I was working with a mid-sized nonprofit that had what was a highly, what I'd say, highly functioning governance board. But like most boards, you know, a few board members change, a few situations change, someone retires, they have term limits, and always new people get added. And there was a new board president, I will say board queen, there was a new board queen that had a lot of passion for the organization. This wonderful board member, yes, I am being sarcastic, this wonderful board queen, the president, she would stop by the office all the time, like two or three times a week, talk to the executive director, stop in the office, chit chat talk to staff all the time. And it got to the point that this board president in isolation, separate from the entire governing board of 13 individuals, was interacting with staff so much that she started giving them helpful suggestions as she was mingling in the office and telling them (laughs) how they can do things better. And eventually of this board president that again, I think their heart was in the right place, had handcuffed the executive director so much that the executive director could not executively direct because the board president or queen was micromanaging the daily operations of the nonprofit. This caused a lot of chaos. It caused a lot of lack of momentum. And it just internally, um, I think nonprofit staff members, you know, Abby, you and I both then one, we're very kind of terrified of the board. So whenever a board president casually makes, we think, you know, sometimes it would then become the executive director telling a coordinator to do one thing. The board president saying the exact opposite. And so then no one can do anything. (laughs) So that is my scary thing about big egos on boards. And again, this board queen, I think her heart was in the right place. She just wanted to learn about the organization she was serving and help. Oh, goodness. That still gives me. (laughs) We're both cringing. Everyone should be cringing. If you're on a, if you sit on a nonprofit board right now and you are not cringing, um, you definitely listen to the, <laughs> till the end of this episode. <laughs> yes, for sure. Going off of that story, actually, I have a few situations that I want to get your take on how you would handle. Oh, awesome! First situation is too many opinions, so too many cooks in the kitchen. Think about it. Um, let's bring in a nonprofit. I actually just helped fix this situation, so mm-hmm. they have 17 board members which wow. first of all is a little too much. Anybody <laughs> wow. 
anybody listening, you should not have 17 voting board members. But anyways, 17 very opinionated, very different. So they this nonprofit took diversity to the next level. And I was so proud to see that in their board. But it meant there were butting heads on every little thing. So this last week, we talked about changing the logo. And it took four hours to make a decision. Four hours. Oh, (laughs) no. So I want to get your take on too many cooks in the kitchen, too many opinions. How does one, the board president handle it and the executive director come in and take what all of those opinions are and actually make something out of it? Absolutely. You know, I think it's important that when you do have a diverse board, a 17 is a little scary, but (laughs) that everyone gets their opinion heard. However, a board functions primarily, and I will nerd out about board governance all day, to help the nonprofit organization reach their mission and strive towards their vision. So if you're spending four hours talking about logos of every people from all different backgrounds, right? And that's not a structured conversation. That time is not being utilized well. And I highly suspect that that was not 17 branding and marketing experts. So in that specific case, 100%, there should have been a committee giving recommendations and then yes or no. There is no reason with 17 people, all those people should be spending time giving their opinion. Yes or no, limited time, Robert's rules of orders, get your crap together. Yes, (laughs) yes, committees, the way to go. Yes. And I think oftentimes when people are talking about, again, like the mission vision conversation, and I think the rest of this episode, I'll say that 500 million times, the board is focused on mission and vision. Logo choice. Yes, it kind of matters. It is important. But spending that much time with board on that means they're not doing those other things that are probably more important. 100%. So, so true. (laughs) Thank you for dealing with that, Abby. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Thankfully, we have four committees that came out of that meeting because that was just too much of a headache. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Thankfully. you agree with my recommendation. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, go to the next situation, Abby. <laughs> All right, next situation is lack of critical thinking and reflection from the board members. So think of this as one of those situations where the executive director stands up, they explain a situation going on that needs the board's approval, whether it's changing some programming to really reflect the nonprofit, they just need the board's approval on budgeting or something like that. And the executive director gets crickets. There's no <laughs> conversation. And it's just blank stares for the next 10 minutes. So what do you have? What kind of strategies can executive directors use to go into the board meeting and actually get some people thinking and get solid advice? Yes. And I think, Abby, even the way you phrase that question is so important. I work a lot with nonprofit boards, specifically on board governance. And I'm on the Grid HQ website with a board basics job description. Like, what is the role of a board member, right? And a primary role is to use their expertise to carry on the mission and vision. But their role is not to understand all these little neat details. So it is on the executive director in that situation to get their board engaged and motivate them. The most painful things, and often when you see what executive directors will complain as, as, I don't have an active and engaged board. Like, honestly, I hate to say executive director, it's your fault, but there has to be a way in the structure of the agenda and the way you're presenting information. I mean, using visuals, making sure you're teaching instead of talking at, to give them enough information so they can have an opinion. Now, what sometimes happens is you have to get decisions made that are just outside of expertise, right? Like 
specific, you know, change in insurance carriers, but like, I'm probably, me as an individual will not have a, a real opinion or I shouldn't because I have no expertise, right? So there is an element of educate and get consensus. So the person has no understanding can still have a little bit of, or no prior understanding or expertise can still have a little bit of knowledge to make an informed decision. I, yeah, I don't know, Abby, what do you think? I actually have all of my executive directors have their agenda done a week ahead of time. And all of the materials that they're going to have the board members vote on send out again, because maybe they talked about it at the last board meeting. But honestly, if you have two months between board meetings and you're not engaging them in between, uh-huh. who the hell is going to remember? Right. So you and I both like. So I, I think you know this is important. Though I know in nonprofit leadership, which is a lot of what I nerd out about, we like to like say the board's not doing their job. Well, the board doesn't intrinsically know what their job is, right? Executive director, you have to tell yes. them. And then like conversely, like there's just, that's a relationship and communication over time. I think proactive, consistent communication from the executive director to the board will help them make better decisions. 100%. And engaging <laughs> in between board meetings. Like, yes, yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. This next situation actually kind of relates to your stories. So I'm glad you told that one. <laughs> Great. <laughs> This is the social butterfly. So that board member who thinks they need to talk to everyone, impart their wisdom, but not actually do anything. You know what I mean? So they're always around. They're always wanting to be involved, but they have no solid understanding of what that should be or what it is. So they just have their wings and they get in the way. Yeah, I think that board member and probably that entire board, if the rest of the board members are letting that person do that, that board member needs some board basics training. What are the roles and responsibilities of a board member? I cannot emphasize more, like people do not intrinsically know what it is to be a nonprofit board member. Like I guarantee there are a lot of people listening right now that are like, oh, I thought ours was to like help out and volunteer, right? Like people don't know, educate them. Yeah, but I do think it's on the executive director to work with a board or board president to rein them in right? There's a lot of tension there. And that social butterfly probably doesn't know they're doing anything wrong, but those boundaries need to be set. Um, anytime a board member swoops into operations, it does impact the well-being of the organization. And if they're allocating their time and resources, as you said, Abby, they're actually doing nothing. If they're allocating their time and resources to like hanging out and chit-chatting, then they're not allocating their time and resources to looking over the finances every month right? Looking at the strategic plan, spending their brain power, moving the organization forward, which is the primary responsibility of a board member, not chit-chatting in the office. Yes, yes, yes. I also want to have you kind of do an insight onto running a board for a nonprofit as if it is a business, because I think there's a disconnect. (laughs) Yes. Well, honestly, like running a nonprofit as if it's a business is also important, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, it's interesting, especially when you look at nonprofit boards that are larger and are like have good diversity of board, you have a lot of business people walking into the nonprofit space and thinking they need to take off their business-minded hats. So in terms of, I think, consistency and communication, professional communication between the executive director and the board is so important. And running it like it's a business, the more, you know, I talk about a strategic plan, no matter what your nonprofit is and where you are, even if it's just a sheet of paper, a SWOT analysis, and like, these are our three main goals and our, for the next three months and our 10 goals for the next five years, this is where we're going. Like, that's what the board needs to be talking about and working on. 
if you're spending time looking at logos, make sure even in terms of an agenda that you have, this is the governing side, this is the operational side, so people understand the things at the top of the agenda are the most important. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you for letting me, I feel like I'm lecturing <laughs> on this episode. Listen to Kelly lecture about board governance. <laughs> Welcome. But this is definitely your sweet spot. You very clearly have a passion for this, so I enjoy this. I- Yes, I do. And I think it's, I've just, you know, in my many years working with nonprofits, seen it done so inefficiently. And it just makes me kind of cringe and cry um, when resources are used ineffectively, which is what what happens with boards when board members don't know what their role is and executive directors don't know what board members' roles are. And you just kind of like float around getting nothing accomplished. (laughs) Yes. Floating around, (laughs) nowhere to go. Yes. Yes. All right. I have one more situation and then I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. So this next situation is clicks and I'm thinking the older nonprofits. I worked with one who specifically geared towards women's rights. So they had a lot of the older generation in as their board members and they had an initiative like as the board to bring in younger women so that they could uh-huh. keep going. Great initiative. But that older generation formed a click. Yeah. So they were not open and willing to even like let the younger generation that they just spent months cultivating into the board with the right tools. How do you work with not only those clicks that get formed within nonprofits because people are human and right. we all do it, <laughs> but to really help that flow of transition to avoid the clicks? Focus on the mission and vision and have all communication focused on the mission and vision of the organization. Honestly, that does break down so many barriers. Oftentimes when clicks happen, it's because people are talking or acting about operational things, even like who's working on one fundraiser versus who does the volunteering, like break that down and make sure you're focused on the big picture stuff of your organization. I do think uh, with that specific organization you were talking about, if I was working with that executive director, I'd look at their bylaws because even the fact that there are old generation, new generation, what is the term limit? If you are entirely dependent on one group of individuals to do a mission or vision or like help a community, like that's not really an organization. That's just a group of people hanging out. Like, yes, <laughs> so yes. focus on term limits, focus on diversity in your board. Like if I were with that executive director, it's not gonna happen immediately, but I think over the next year, like look at how can you at least set term limits with the current people on your board for three years, four years, no more than seven years and transitioning off. Um, you'll often see with organizations where you'll have the same person reelected to presidency every year if they don't have good bylaws and that should never happen. Um, two years at most for a president. And then in that second year, they need to be grooming the next person in line. Yes. You break down clicks by having good bylaws and like actually functioning as a board. And yeah. I think we're going to have an entire podcast episode just on how to create effective bylaws because oh, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) So many nonprofits have no idea where to start. They don't even know that they need bylaws for their board. Right. It's it's just crazy (laughs) for me. Yeah. But your explanation actually leads me into my first question. Oh, great. What if they are an all-volunteer working board? So it's board members (laughs) who are controlling this organization. (laughs) Uh Oh, man. Yes. I can think of one specific organization I've worked with. It was an animal shelter, right? And the president of the board was also the, like, main manager of the shelter. 
and all the volunteers are also on the board and they're there. And that's like, not even clicks, like they're a little mini family that like, you know, has little fights and tantrums all the time. Again, I think it's important to have diversity in a nonprofit board. Even if you are a working board, you need to have diversity. Hopefully not. It's, if it's all people that are volunteering in the organization, also serving on the board and all doing similar things, then that's really not going to be an organization. So if you're a working board, you need to be able to distinguish what is governing and what is operational and still make sure what often happens is then that working board only talks about like operational things. When's our next fundraiser? When are we going to open the building? How do we hire this part-time staff? And they don't talk about why are we doing that fundraiser? What are our financial goals? Do we really think we're still needing a community need? Like none of those conversations that really is the primary responsibility of a nonprofit board member happen whenever they're working. So make sure to create time at the beginning of agenda, still have board meetings, often with working boards. They think they're always in communication. So they don't actually have structured governing board meetings. <laughs> that is so different. Come on, Abby, you know that's true. You know that's true. <laughs> yes, it is. It is very, very true. I think one of the hardest things for nonprofits who start out as a working board, moving to hiring an executive director, that transition is very difficult for the working board because they're so used to being so hands-on and doing everything. Yes, I'm going to that now with two organizations. Oh, it's Uh awful. Especially true with like organizations that were founded out of, this is just a, it's out out of churches in the seventies. Like they were community-based organizations that kind of were very grassroots, that have the same people, board volunteers, they're all one thing, right? And then yes. they grow, they're serving their mission and vision well, and people see and people are donating, and they're expanding resources to meet community needs, and all of a sudden, chaos, correct? <laughs> 100%. And it's the executive director jumps on because they love the mission, the board stays on because they love the mission, but then there's no flow, and it's just... <laughs> It can be a headache, guys. Yeah, I do think term limits are so important. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Abby. How can a nonprofit, you know, I've been talking about board members with egos quite a bit. How can a nonprofit avoid board members with egos and like with their uh, own personal agendas beyond their clock, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to tell you, and you guys are going to be very mad, but you can't. Like every human has an ego. The way that, you avoid having egos on the board is training. Like exactly going back to what you were talking about before, like know what your board needs to do. Have that description. It's on your website, right? Great. Yeah. It's bithq.org. Board job description. It's my freebie. Go download it. Send it out to your board. Talk about it every week. So they know what they should be doing. (laughs) Yes. That is where it starts. Like there's going to be no room for egos if you give them a point of starting. And then you keep as the executive director or as part of the chair, I really, really encourage nonprofits to have their marketing director in the committee that is the marketing and the development Uh on the committee that is for development. So that one, you guys have a say. And if the board gets crazy ideas, you're not coming back and being like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So like the point of this is you can't avoid egos, but you can place their egos where they should be going. So give them that focus. Yeah, I do think, I mean, you talked about the board member job description, which if you don't have one for your nonprofit, you need to, they need to know what they should be doing and written rules are a great way, including bylaws. But the other thing is an executive director that can be kind of scary. I know for me, I sat on quite a few nonprofit boards and I'm kind of the board governance police, right? I'm sitting there saying, 
I don't know that this is how we should be utilizing our time. Wouldn't it be better if, and like making sure things are done efficiently so that people can't exert their egos, especially during board meetings, correct? Yeah. Um, and dominate the conversation. I mean, if you're an executive director and know it's an issue with your board, like having that unbiased lawyer that's on your board or the silent banker, like, hey, will you like just make sure if this dynamic happens to like get people back on track? Like that does help right. a lot. Like get a board governance police on your board. Yes, that is great. That is great to have a <laughs> champion on your board to support you. Uh-huh. Okay, I have one more question before we wrap up today. I know we talked about your board description, but do you have any other strategies or resources that nonprofits can look for while they're searching for this quote unquote ideal board member? Oh, absolutely. I do think if people, I don't know if you're familiar with Joan Gary, she has a lot of great uh, nonprofits or messy resources for boards once you're there. If you want to DIY your board governance training, if you don't want to, I do have a board basics boot camp that I can work alongside with boards to kind of do ongoing training virtually. Um, that again, it's at gridhq.org. And then all over, because it's so important, if you check out the Grid HQ blog, I talk about all of these leadership and board governance issues and egos repeatedly on how to handle it and communicating proactively with your board because there are real issues that can impact your organization. So yeah, all over the Grid HQ website, it's how you can do board governance and better. Yes. <laughs> Board governance does not have to be as difficult as we make it. No, it can be fun. Like just do it with a smile on your face and yeah, stay organized. (laughs) Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. (laughs) Okay. Um, No, thank you so much for asking, Abby. And thank you uh, for chatting with me about board members and egos and board governance issues because they are such an important thing for nonprofit to be able to move forward. They need the support of a functioning board. And that is always kind of an art and ongoing battle. And as Abby said, that definitely includes training. So if you have listened to the end of this, this has helped you, please make sure to rate our podcast so we can grow our audience and then follow nonprofit girl bosses. So you can catch weekly episodes where we can teach you to dominate your nonprofit leadership and life. This is Kelly and Abby, your nonprofit BFFs. Uh, thank you for listening to Nonprofit Girl Bosses. Please make sure to rate this podcast so we can grow our audience and follow so you can check out weekly episodes, how you can improve your nonprofit leadership and life.